Hello, everyone, and welcome to Petite to Queen's Claim Your Career Crown podcast. I'm your host, Lynn, and today I am joined by our VP of Operations, Amanda, and our very special guest, Amy Dix. So I have to tell you, we have a really fabulous conversation in store for you. We're going to be talking about the importance of ensuring your employees are happy and fostering a positive workplace culture. And uh, let's have some fun with that. Uh, Just for some background, Amy is an international best-selling author. She's an award-winning speaker and a transformational coach. She hosts two podcasts, Unlocking Happiness, as well as The Happiest Places to Work. All right, and I'm going to look at my notes here. She also runs Choose Happy, a community of crazy happy people determined to make a difference at work and in the world. Isn't that fabulous? I love it. I love it. Uh, And they are dedicated to helping you and your team achieve greatness and choose happiness in the workplace and the world. What a wonderful thing. Welcome, Amy. We're so glad to have you here today. Hey, thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah, well, this is going to be an incredible conversation. And for all of our listeners who are joining us for the very first time, make sure you don't miss a single episode and subscribe to Claim Your Career Crown wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, please share the love and uh, click all five stars for the review. Okay, let's get right to it. Um, Amy, I would love to hear about your personal journey and how you became an expert in happiness. Yeah, that's such always such an interesting question because uh, I think people just want it to be like this moment in time <laughs> where uh, suddenly I realized like happiness was a thing. But um, while there may be that moment where I realized it was more important than most, I also can see just through thinking back on memories and looking back on like social media posts and stuff like I've always been a huge advocate of positivity and happiness and it really came from growing up with my mom and she was just like this insanely happy fun spunky person all the time and so when she um, was terminally ill she had said some things to me and I just thought you know one of them was I'm not afraid to die and I thought oh my goodness you know, I don't know if I could be laying on my deathbed and say, I'm not afraid to die. And she had had like a lot of trauma and stuff in her life. But yet she here she was in her last moment of moments of life um, without fear and led this like insanely positive, happy life. And uh, one of the questions I asked her and I giggle because just thinking back on those memories is so great. But uh, I asked her, I was like, mom, what do you like? What advice do you have for people to live a more positive, happy life like you? And she just kind of looked at me and she, you know, laying there in her hospital bed and she just kind of looks over at me and she goes, I don't know. <laughs> I believe you either are or you aren't. Like you're either a really great person or maybe you just suck. I don't know. But <laughs> <laughs> I thought that that was just like so not profound, but so profound in that moment. And um, that's truly what led me to study positive psychology, which is the science of happiness is to really understand, like, are we born a certain way or, you know, um, or, or is this something that we have to work at? And so that's really kind of what, what transpired from there. Okay. Well, don't leave us hanging. I mean, I assume that with growth mindset work, you can 
flip the switch and become happier. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. We can we can rewire our brains uh, to be more positive and happy. Um, one of the challenges, though, that we have, like from a science perspective, is something called the negativity bias factor. Yeah. And um, basically what that means is that we're all prone more to negativity uh, than we are positivity. So it certainly is like a, I say it's truly like the fight for your life because um, you truly do have to fight to be a positive, happy person. It doesn't really come um, naturally to most people. So, yeah. 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 That's really interesting. Um, Kind of transitioning to like the workplace setting. Why is it so important that employees are happy? Oh, I mean, I almost want to flip it and say, why, why isn't it important? Like, why wouldn't it be important? Right. Um, Yeah. It's, when we look at statistics as far as um, productivity and work output um, and how that's tied to happiness, we know that there's a link there. And, um, and truly, I mean, it's so interesting. We were talking before the show that I just onboarded a new employee. And, you know, one of the things that I said to her was, Hey, your happiness and your mental health and what you value matters to me. And so if you have a request or you feel frustrated or whatever, like you have to let me know as opposed to just saying, well, you're my manager and you told me to do it. Like, I think we need to kind of step away from, especially in the workplace of this kind of like, I tell you what to do and you just do it because I know better, right? Because that then tends to lead to frustration and unhappiness. And when you talk about productivity, man, <laughs> that'll go out the door really, really quickly. So, um, you know, if you want to have like a thriving work environment, uh, if you want you people not only to just work for you or with you, but also um, have that like exude out into your clients and customers and those that you work with, like happiness and mental health should be absolutely a priority. And I'll take it one step further. This just actually reminded me of a story. This happened last night as I was scrolling through uh, Facebook trying to fall asleep. And somebody had posted this comment in our local um, community here that was like, I will never go to this restaurant again because the manager was screaming at their um, wait staff and had the the girl in tears. And she oh. said, I'm trying to do the best or I, I do the best I can or something like that. And it felt so heartbreaking. And I thought, you know, aside from just the fact that that was the like he had negative intention behind what he did um, and just the fact that like he kind of made his employees unhappy, like look at how that just transpired. And now there are hundreds of comments (laughs) on this post of local people who are like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that about the manager or owner. I will never go there again. You know, and that's the impact that happiness has in the workplace. Yeah. 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 No, that moment of respect. And uh, to your point, uh, there is a really a fine line between, you know, telling people what to do, but then um, explaining very briefly, like why, why it's important so that they can then lean into it. So they have a better understanding. It's not just some new task or something they have to get done. And, you know, for there to be some resentment, because then you're inviting them in to be part of the solution and part of um, the bigger goals that you're trying to achieve. 
And the other thing, this is real leadership of being able to ask and receive and truly desire input so that you can consider alternate approaches or different ideas. Because I know that sometimes my team has come back and said, well, this doesn't even make sense. Why are we doing it this way? Right. <laughs> and, and you can't be immediately like, I'm being attacked. And, and there is that animal response in this, like, oh my gosh, I'm being attacked. And you have to like consciously say, okay, no, I need to hear this out. And there are times that I know that for me, I can't quite process it in the moment. And I say, okay, I need to think about this and let's circle back to it because I just sort of need to process it, whether it's for 30 minutes or, you know, three hours. Right. But that what can really help drive a better solution. And that is the sign of really strong and true leadership when you're able to do that. And I'm not perfect. I'm not saying, Amanda will tell you, we don't have work to do. I really have to work at it. But, (laughs) but I really, um, I, and I often will ask in meetings, I need, I want to know what your opinion is. I want to hear from you. And um, because it's like, I really want that other perspective because we all have blinders on. And that's one of the great things when you have that culture in your workplace, that it actually makes your entire operation stronger because you're able to get this input of ideas or considerations or even a risk that you had not considered because you didn't see it. Yeah. Yeah. I love so much about um, all the things that you just said. One of them was just truly that you're like listening and you said um, you ask them, I can't remember the question now that you ask them after. Yeah. You know, ask their opinion. Yeah. And if someone's actually quiet in a meeting, I have a few yeah. team members that are really quiet. I will pointedly ask them, well, I, we haven't heard from you, you know, um, you know, this yeah. is, I really am curious as to what you're thinking right now. And, and, uh, you know, and even if it's just like, oh no, I just, I agree. You know, I don't have anything to add. I think this is great. Yeah. You know, that's okay. <laughs> but it's like, I draw them out. Like I want them to know that this is a safe place for them mm-hmm. to voice their opinions. And yeah. so, uh, and that way, that's really important too, to recognize that some team members are going to be very reticent and you do need to draw them out and make sure that everyone knows that there's no stupid questions. Cause believe me, if someone's going to ask it, it's me. <laughs> but sometimes they lead to something and it, and yeah. it, you know, taking that into consideration, it's like, well, no, 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 that's it, it. That's a good question because we, it's actually okay. And this is why, or this is, you know, how we've already planned for that. And I guess I didn't explain that fully. Right. So yeah. it's uh, it's all good. Yeah. One of the little tricks that I've learned over time, uh, maybe just through positive psychology, but is to ask people like, how does that make you feel? You know, like if you explain something to them and then, and then just kind of wait and go, so how does that make you feel? Like, cause then I think you really get into, it's like, it's not saying like, does that sound good? Cause then it's like, yeah, sure. It sounds good. Yeah. That's a yes or no answer. Yeah. Right. Exactly. But if I say, how does that make you feel? You're not going to be like, yes. Yeah. You know, you would expand on that. And so um, that's a little trick that that I use in life <laughs> and at work. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good one because I will use like, um, what are your thoughts on this? And because yeah. you can't say yes or no, <laughs> you yeah. have to say something. <laughs> yeah. And then exactly. if I'm, I'll say, tell me more, 
you know, or if it's something that's like, okay, wait, that sounds like, hmm, you know, help me understand where you're coming from with this, um, you know. Uh, yes. So, yeah, those are all great. So, sorry, so hijack this conversation. That. No, I love yeah. that. Yeah, and actually, that might lead into my next question. Um, how can employers discover their employees' happiness level in a way that's respectful and uh, not creepy? Yeah, well, you know, I think it comes back to values a little bit and understanding what your employees value, Um, because when you understand what they value, then you can understand their happiness at at a different level. And so, you know, just straight up like asking them, what do you value? And I don't just mean like, what do you value at work? You know, what do you value in life? And um, yeah, so I was going to come up with an example, but uh, I don't know if I can come up with one off the top of my head. But just really understanding like, hey, if they if they value um, being on time or whatever, then you, you can ensure that you're on time to all the meetings if that is something that is something of value to them. Like, for example, I value creativity. It's just something that I value. And so, you know, if I look at my past um, job and my happiness, like I actually have a story that is very different than most people. Like I left corporate America, but I loved my job. (laughs) I did. I loved the company I worked for. I loved what I was doing. I loved my boss. Like I don't really have anything bad to say about it. There was one thing that I valued that I never got and I never got creativity out of that. And I was never really given the opportunity to be creative. And looking back on it, I truly believe that if somebody did take the time to understand my values and understand my happiness um, in a way that's not creepy, (laughs) but just simply by caring, that I might still be there. Um, I always thought I was going to die with the company, you know, (laughs) so there was no reason I was ever going to leave. And uh, however, because one of those values just were never tapped into. I I just had to make the decision that that was more important to me than than what I was doing for the company. So, you know, how can you really discover their happiness without being creepy? It's really just coming from a sense of caring and understanding and just straight up asking them, like, what do you value, you know, And, and how can we then incorporate some of those values into what you do day to day? Yeah, no, I mean, definitely setting those expectations um, so that and giving uh, people the opportunity to share their thoughts uh, in uh, in a lot of different ways. I mean, I think that there's there are a lot of ways that employers can help their employees achieve these happy level, happier, higher, (laughs) happier, higher (laughs) levels of of, uh, achievement. Right. I mean, you know, let's just, you know, because. Um, and you can do that in a way, sometimes people will say, okay, well, we have all these different like activities. Well, sometimes these activities, like you could have a company picnic or some other types of holiday parties, other things or uh, people almost start to feel like they're obligatory. Like I have to show up yeah, there. Right. and that actually flips the switch. Cause then you're resentful. Like I'm giving up my Saturday on my weekend to go to this thing and I don't want to do it. Um, and instead of making it, um, it, it's always really important to have that element um, within a lot of different ways of fun within the company 
And at one point in time, the one company I worked for um, on my way to corporate America, I mean, it was just a really great place to work. And it, it had so many different elements of fun. And I'm talking silly fun. Like the owner would say, okay, everybody, we're going to take uh, the, the, this afternoon, the next hour, and we're actually going to do chair races in the warehouse floor. <laughs> we're going to get all these chairs and everybody's going to, we're going to have races and people are going to race backwards. And if you don't want to do it, then you can leave early for the day. Well, you, everybody, you know, we're there and, they're, you know, doing their chair backward races to see who can, <laughs> you know, literally we're putting, you know, duct tape on the floor for the starting line and the finish line. And we're cheering everybody on, but it was like, so freaking fun. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we didn't do it all the time, but it'd be all kinds of just things, you know, and we did this promo with these little race cars um, to give to clients. Well, like, after they came in, we all went out in the parking lot and had car races. Same thing. Well, we're just going to kick off for the day. But before we go, anybody who wants to do the races with these little cars. And it was just like, <laughs> you, you know, and you're leaving work and you're going, God, that was just the best day because it ended on this super high note. I'm so right? excited to go to work tomorrow. Yeah. Um, and, and that was and he was just right in there doing it and having fun, you know. I'm and assuming so, we're talking about like little match box cars right they were, no, they like were actually a little box. bigger they were actually a little bigger they would be like a like a super hummer matchbox car but they would you know you <laughs> pull them back you pull them back and then you let them go I actually still have yeah. some I'm not close oh, I I show remember them. Those. Yeah. yeah and so but they had been custom uh, manufactured locally and had our logo oh, put on them this is before all the oh for imprint you know I would order everything online I uh, <laughs> But it was just like this super fun thing. And actually, it was this great thing that I did these with our clients. We would have we would literally go out and do a race and I would schedule a time and give everybody their race cars. And it was just like I was giving them this release from the the stress of the that afternoon yeah. for 15 minutes. Um, so that was a really great, great piece. So and I'm over talking you. So please, no, I, I would think, love to hear. No, love, I, I'm just giving that as an example. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you and I could chat forever. And I think, you know, <laughs> one of the things that you said I want to point out, because I think it's kind of important, is um, on one of the examples you gave, you said you could either uh, do the chair races or you could leave early for the day. And I think that that's important because a lot of times um, managers or teams or whatever, they think that they come up with like the greatest idea, but you never know what that might trigger in someone else or how it actually makes them feel or things that you would never think of. So I think to give options is a really smart thing to do, a really smart thing to do. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then, and then it's just, it's just like, yay, if you're there, great. If you're not, if you have something else you need to do and you want to use the time, fabulous, you know? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Perfect. So these are really great ways for um, employees to help out with creating a happiness culture. How can we all support our own happiness happiness at work? Well, I mean, I think it starts with understanding mental health and um, and truly making it a priority, which seems more acceptable today than it probably did 10 years ago. And, you know, I just the elephant in the room, everything that's happening with Simone Biles and, you know, prioritizing mental health. I mean, it's all, 
it's all kind of coming to the forefront. And I've always thought that like mental health, if we approach mental health from a proactive perspective instead of a reactive perspective, now that's the way to support our happiness, right? Because um, before, and I'm just going to use 10 years ago again, but like 10 years ago, I think when we heard mental health, we thought it was because something was wrong with us. Like if, if we use that word, it was in a negative way and we need to stop using that. I should say phrase, not word, but that phrase as if it's negative and really start talking about it as, as if it's positive. And, you know, I was talking to a hypnotherapist the other day on my podcast and I, and I just, we were talking about, he had worked with some Olympic athletes and some pro athletes and I, and, you know, jokingly, it's kind of like, well, what the heck do they need <laughs> you for, you know? And he goes, look, they're good, but if they want to be great, then they still need to take their mental health seriously. And it's so true. It's like, we can be really good at certain things, but when we start prioritizing our mental health and our happiness, that's when we can achieve greatness. And so we have to prioritize that and make that number one. Yeah, yeah, that is definitely true. I mean, there's been so much stigma against mental health for most of history, but I'm, I'm really yeah. happy that there's been so much more positivity around it and just more, much more openness around it. And I think it's become a lot more normalized. And I think that uh, that's really helpful for allowing people the space to take care of their own mental health and, uh, you know, feel good about it and not feel like they need to hide that from from others. Absolutely. And if somebody wants to take a mental health day from work, I think we should grant that, you know, yeah. <laughs> I don't, it's like, I, I feel like we put in all of these um, different rules and regulations over time because people abused them or whatever, but it's like, you know, how many people call in sick that aren't really sick? A lot. Right. And how much, and how often as a manager are, do you question if they're really sick or not? All the time, or at least I did, you know, but it's just like, I don't care. It's, I don't care. Just it's paid time off and you can choose to use it to go walk with your dog in the park or hopefully I'd rather you be doing that than home with strep throat or something. Absolutely. Yeah. Like I just want to give you the benefit of the doubt. I don't, you you don't have to put on a play for me, like act like you have a sore throat and cough in the phone or whatever. Like I don't even care. Like, but that's what I'm saying. We have all these rules and regulations. And like, so I saw that when I was at corporate America and like, I just wish it was more of like what you're saying, Lynn, like, I don't care. Like, Hey, if you just, if you have a, I'm just going to take a day, day, then you're just going to take a day, day, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. And yeah. you know, I, I think if you're upfront about that and you respect that it won't be broken, you know? Um, and if you have to put rules in place then fine, then give, you know, two or three mental health days a year, whatever it is. But, um, you, you know, I think we have forced people to um, push down their happiness at work and push down their mental health because of all the rules that we've put in place. So maybe just taking a different look at it. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's one reason many companies have sort of started to move towards that. Just it's just simply paid time off and however you use it, because, you know, even when, um, you know, and it's uh, sort of migrated from having vacation, sick leave, and then they started introducing some, you could get a couple personal days, you know, but it's sort of transitioned to that 
Um, and I, I'd like to see that move faster because it's just like, and then also that sort of psychology of use it or lose it. I mean, that, that also is really negative. Um, so that there's a, a side on that where you should be taking time off to recharge. Right. Um, there's a reason that when you can take a break, even if it's um, to take a coffee break during the day and actually leave the building if, when you're working on site, yes. um, uh, it can really help just, you know, breathing some fresh air and just give you some, that moment to sort of recharge and refresh. And, and it's really amazing what it can do. So there's a lot of different ways that companies can encourage that. Um, but when you're for yourself, um, how do you think that what's the best strategy for encouraging happiness, not only in yourself, but in others um, without going the complete opposite and being like positive about everything? Let's just like, oh, like right. everything is light and happy, you know, and right. it's like, OK, there's a mushroom cloud forming right now. And it's like, yeah. how is that a good thing? I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes. I mean, so what you're talking about is toxic positivity, right? And um, toxic positivity is, I mean, you explained it well, but it's kind of like saying everything's going to be fine when everything may not be fine. And uh, I write about it in the book. And, and the way that I explain about the way I explain it is if you're driving down the interstate and the right lane is the positivity lane and um, you're driving along and you pull up into an obstacle and the obstacle is a truck that's going slow. I think we can all relate and have all been there. Now you have two choices. You can stay in the positivity lane and slow down and right. just face that obstacle and look at that obstacle constantly or you can go into the left lane and pass the obstacle. And the left lane is the realistic lane. And that's where you have to accept what's really happening. And then once you accept what's really happening, you can pass that obstacle and return back to the positivity lane. So um, I don't think it's healthy for people to just say, hey, everything's going to be fine. Like one of the worst things you can say to somebody when they're having a hard time with something is, oh, everything's going to be fine. It'll work out like that might not just be the case. Right. <laughs> and so um, if we're going to encourage happiness within ourselves and within others, I think we really have to understand what's realistic as well and be realistic. Um, if something is just kind of sucks and something kind of sucks and just say, man, that really sucks. You know, like now, oh, it's going to be great. You just think positive, you know? So yeah. um, that's, that's like the best way that I like to explain it is really just looking at it and facing the reality so that we can get back to the positivity. Yeah, for sure. And like, I think it's really important to have your real feelings validated sometimes. I think toxic positivity kind of prevents that. Like sometimes um, sometimes I'll be complaining about something that happened and then maybe my husband will be like, well, at least this didn't happen or at least you have this. And it's like, yeah, that's great. But I just kind of want to be angry right now. Or I kind of want to be upset yeah. about this and yeah. and I'm not ready to move on to the happiness just yet, you know. Right. Yeah. Like, just let me feel what I want to feel right now. Like, if yeah. it's so good, if you feel sad, it's okay to feel sad. You know, we just don't yeah. want you to feel sad for an extended period of time. But right. to yeah. recognize that is uh, really good and really smart of you too to understand that that's kind of how you're feeling 
Um, emotional intelligence is a powerful thing. It yeah. sounds like you've got it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's really important to process those feelings, right? And to, and sometimes, you know, you can be really frustrated about something. And I'll just say, well, I don't want you, I, I'm not expecting anybody to fix this. I just want to vent about it because it's just really bothering me. And right. then by venting about it or processing it, it's a way to process it, let off steam, right? And you can just then like, okay, good. All right. You know, I've sort of shed that now. And yes. now I can move to the next place. And yes. uh, even when something does go completely off the rails at work, like you're saying, and it's like, you know, you got to in the in that mode, you know, just we're dealing with it and we're getting through it. And then afterwards, you can say, OK, this happened. And here's all the, you know, uh, you know, the things that didn't go right. Yeah. But <laughs> however, let's take a step back and say, you know, maybe this was a complete utter debacle. Well, I mean, we do know what not to do. Yeah. <laughs> there is a kernel here that we can pick up. And how can we use this debacle, this, you know, to be stronger next time? What can we do and how can we apply it um, in other aspects? Like what did we learn that we can use it in other aspects, um, either in work or in life? And uh, because sometimes there are things that you just can't, you know, like your mother's illness. My husband also died of a terminal illness. Um, I mean, there's, you know, it's just horrible. Right. And um, but how what can you gain from that um, experience? And it's like, well, for me, it's like you, you know, living each day um, and just, you know, doing everything I can to love life. Right. And knowing that, you know, what really matters. Right. And and having adopted. I mean, I already sort of had that mindset, but really it it just really became more that. And, yeah, I can get bummed out sometimes over things, but it's, you know, it's like, you know, I need to get uh, process that so I can, you know, go back to um, this is what it is. And so now how can I you know, either, you know, process it, make the best of it. How can I learn from it? How can I use it to my advantage? <laughs> and uh, that that's just uh, one of those things that I think everyone, um, and, and it is, it's a huge piece of growth mindset because you have to be able to get out of that, stop putting bricks up, like, you know, well, this happened, so I can't ever do this, or I can't, you know, uh, uh, you have to be able to take the bricks down, look at the bricks, figure out where they really go and it's so uh, build, good. A different, uh, build a different yeah. structure. <laughs> yeah. And you're talking a lot about meaning at this point, you know, and like how to, you know, one of the things I say is like, stop asking, like, what is the meaning of life and start asking, how can I bring more meaning into my life? And so, um, and that's kind of what you're saying, like in the sense of um, with your husband, Like, how can I make sense of this? You know, instead of saying, like, what is the meaning of his death? Like, how can I find meaning within his death, you know, um, or his illness or sickness? And so. So, yeah, I think, you know, when you shift your mindset, it really can change not only the way you live your life, the way you show up at work, the way you show up in relationships, uh, the way you show up for yourself. Uh, And so just kind of changing your language a little bit is a really powerful thing. 
Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes just letting people know, I don't expect you to fix this. I just need to talk about it. Right. And then they know, okay, I don't have to try to fix this. So, and I can, that they just need me to listen and lend an ear, right. So that they can process what's going on and that can be really helpful. So. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Oh, wow. So Amy, thank you so much for sharing how employers can create a happier workplace for their employees and how you can do it for yourself. Um, And I know our listeners are going to be really, really interested in how and where they can find out more about you. Yeah. So the best place to go is uh, on the website, choose-happy.me. Again, that's choose-happy.me. And from there, uh, you can certainly connect with me. I promise me, or I promise me, well, I promise me this too, but I promise you, (laughs) if you reach out, I will be the one to respond to you. So I'm happy to to answer any questions um, and you can get some more information there. Okay, that's fantastic. And uh, Amy, uh, Amanda, this has been such a great discussion. I'm feeling happier. <laughs> and for all our audience, if you have ideas that you would like to share, um, we love hearing from you. Please leave us a, a comment uh, down below in the comment section. You can also email us with questions or topics for discussion at jointheconversation at petitequeen.com. And of course, to stay current on everything we offer, our resources, these amazing podcasts. And if you don't want to miss out on a single thing, you can subscribe to our weekly wisdoms newsletter at petitetoqueen.com. So Amy, Amanda, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This has been such a great conversation. Thank you. Thank you so much.